Welcome to Midnight Menu Plus One. I'm Ray Kanata. And I'm Margo Moss. We are here once again at Ted's Frost Stop on Claiborne and Calhoun, where we meet each week with a member of the New Orleans restaurant and food community and their mystery guest. And we'll be doing that in just a moment. But uh, we want to say that we're part of the It's New Orleans family of shows. Well, Margo, I'm very excited. We are going to have Tess Monahan on in a moment from Good Egg, one of the most interesting things in New Orleans, founding team member of that innovative project in new orleans before she gets here wondering what you did this week food wise anything exciting i was out of town so i had home cooked food all week did you uh have any exciting meals uh it was a busy week but i had a couple really good things i mean this morning for monday i do our traditional uh well eggs right i do uh series right uh with my wife but i i i uh, had to write down what i had uh, a couple days ago because i had never heard of this before i had gourmet sesby no, Sebzi stew. Do you know what that is? Gorma Sebzi stew? Yeah. No. God well, bless you. <laughs> right, right, right. It doesn't sound appetizing. It was great. It was uh, red beans and sun-dried lime and beef and vegetables, these traditional herbs with, like, basmati rice, like white and yellow basmati rice. It's at that Vita place. You know where that is? No. It replaced the courtyard grill which was a generic name for a very interesting ethnic place it was like a middle eastern place on magazine right before um napoleon and uh i don't know if it has new management or what but it's still mid-eastern but now it has a whole new menu and has a new name vita's grill it's called and it's got a really funny sign what attracted me to it was i went by it has one of those signs that says take your person in the courtyard and calm down, or something like that. It has a strangely translated sign in the front. <laughs> Is that... quinoa in the, in the menu, though? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah. I, couscous, of course. But um, anyway, so, but it was it was wonderful. And I, everybody spoke perfect English there. Just the sign was, was, was broken <laughs> English, but the rest of it was great. So that might have been on purpose. I don't know what that might be a marketing gimmick. I don't know, but so it is Middle Eastern. Yeah, I believe it is it's Iranian. Someone told me, but it used to be Turkish before. But I, I heard this this dish this dish is Iranian. Okay, but well that's exciting. Yeah, it was know, very interesting. I recommend it definitely. I, I enjoyed it a lot. All right. All right. That's all I got for you. Worth uh, <laughs> talking about, other than the fact that because we have um, the good the good egg woman with us, I brought some yard eggs from my yard. Uh, and I'm going to share these with anybody who wants them. I got all different colors, but they all taste the same. Oh, can we have some? Yeah, you can. You want these eggs? I brought a half dozen eggs. I mean, look how beautiful those are. Yes. That is. Our listeners can't see that, but they are really gorgeous. And these aren't are they? from your yard. Yeah, my chickens laid these eggs. Huh? I get about three a day, and uh, so that's about two days worth. And I'll tell you what. There's one warning though. I mean, you've, I know you've had yard eggs before, but so you may be aware of this, but. Um, They'll ruin you to regular eggs. I mean, after you have the yard eggs, you'll never want to get a, uh, a grocery store egg again if you have more than three or four in a row. I mean, I think I found it. It's still like certain drugs. You can have them once, and it's all right. You're not addicted. But, you know, crack, they say, like, I've never had crack. They say two or three times, and you're, and you're in a row, and you're hooked. That's how the yard eggs are. Two <laughs> or three times. The crack of the egg They're the egg crack world. of the egg world, the yard eggs. They really are. And you, I mean, we feed them well, and we take care of them. We love them. And my, my daughter tries to hug them, but they peck at her a lot. They're terrible pets. But, you know, she's here today. She can tell you. But they're – anyway, uh, they got lots of room to run around. But I, I don't think you can mess them up. I mean, they're just so delicious, the yard eggs. I love them. Well, let's get to our guests because she then can tell us other people – Yeah, she can tell us how other people can have access to yard eggs. I'm, a, I'm a yes. interested in learning. Welcome, so. Tess. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks so good for to have coming you here. on. Um, I am really excited to hear about your yard eggs because I am renovating a house with my boyfriend right now in the Bywater. Ah. And one of the things we're most excited about is getting, as my boyfriend says, our statutory allotment of yard fowl. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> he wants to the max Bywater out our is the neighborhood I think of as being like the headquarters of yard eggs. Like, yeah, there's yeah. always well, been there's like, That's the first place I saw chickens, but a lot of roosters, too. A lot too. of roosters. We were at work, so our office is in the Maroney, close to the Bywater. See, uptown, we're fussier. We got lots of chickens, yeah. but no roosters. Well, so my dad lives uptown. My dad lives on Robert right. Street, and they uh, just got three chicks. And one died, uh, and then the other one started crowing. Uh, so they had to send it to the country because uh, apparently— Is that a euphemism? Did they really you know, send it to the country? Their neighbor has a farm in Mississippi or, or knows someone with a farm Most in Mississippi. Most people send it to the Bywater. <laughs> That's what most people do with their roosters. That's why you have so many. Maybe we'll start a, a rooster sanctuary in yeah. our in our backyard. We have this big backyard, and I'm really excited to put a chicken coop in it. Well, Margo, you may not know this. I mean, you, you, you know everything, so you probably know this, but some of our listeners probably don't know. The problem is you can't tell a boy from a girl when they're born, and they have this thing called sexting and all this kind of stuff, but the bottom line is it's pretty much a crapshoot. So when you get the chickens, you, you, you don't know if they're going to grow up to be roosters. And as they start to grow, the chickens have some red stuff. The thing I, I associate with roosters, they start to ha- different breeds have the same things. And it's really hard to tell. The only way you finally know is when you see them start to, you know, uh, fornicate in the ha- in the, in the or else. You or see they start crowing. Or they start crowing. <laughs> Sometimes they'll crow before they'll do that. You know, they get their deep voice before the rest of the things come together for them, I think. I'm not really that great on the chicken physiology yet, but I know. I know that this can be a problem. So this was a worry for us. For months, we were all stressed out. Is this going to be a rooster? Because one of them looked bigger than the others and all that, but they all turned out to be chickens. You're very lucky. Was that pretty accurate, what I said? I don't know yet. I mean, my dad has these chickens, but I, you know, I've only seen them on weekends, really, uh, when okay. I when I come uptown. How I don't, does he I don't have? come uptown on weekdays normally. Yeah. Uh, he has, well, now he's down to one. Oh, you can't do that. He had three. Well, they're he social. Had, they got to be together. I know. They're going to try to get some more, but they had three, but one died and one was a rooster, so they're down to one. The other problem I've heard is, I don't know, but I've heard that you can't reintroduce other ones into the... Oh. You have trouble with that. If they're different ages and stuff. They get jealous of each other and they'll peck each other. That's the pecking order thing and all that, and they can hurt each other. I don't rough. know. It's going to be rough. Oh, boy. But you get your eggs. You don't grow your own eggs with good eggs. You no, bring them from farmers eggs, who've been doing this for a long time, yes, right? Tell yes. us about that. So good eggs is essentially a virtual farmer's market where you can go online. And currently our eggs that we have uh, on our website come from Stony Point Farm, which is in Stony Point, Louisiana, on the North Shore. And also from the Motes, who have an amazing dairy operation and also some chickens um, it, just across the border in Mississippi. So People like those guys, Stony Point also has lots of vegetables. We're working with maybe 40 different local farmers and food makers who all list their products on Good Eggs. So it's essentially like shopping from a big farmer's market where you can go online, see what we have for that day or that week, and you order online, and then you select either pickup or home delivery. And we, whatever day you've ordered for, we will either bring the goods right to your doorstep or uh, you can pick it up at a, at a designated pickup Now, you spot. already have the inventory when they go to order it? We don't have the inventory physically. So here's how it okay. works. So let's say you're ordering for Thursday. For Thursday, uh, you can order by Tuesday at midnight. So everything is so fresh because you order Tuesday at 10 p.m. Then on Wednesday, the farmer goes out to the field and, you know, picks the apples off the tree. Uh, the chickens lay the eggs. Everything happens, you know, super, super close to when you're actually getting the food. And then on Thursday, the farmers bring the products into New Orleans and we deliver them to you. That's wonderful. Yeah. So everything's really fresh and really local. Now, what's what's the sort of delivery charge generally? I'm sure it varies. But $3.99 I mean, flat fee. Flat fee. So if yep. I ordered 
uh, ten dozen eggs, yep. it would be three ninety nine. And if you ordered one dozen eggs, it would also be three ninety nine. So, so it's a much better deal to, to order right. ten dozen eggs. And yeah. you deliver anywhere in the city. We're delivering in kind of the the central part of New Orleans right now. Okay. Everything on this side of the river, on this side of the industrial canal. So, you know, everywhere from Uptown, Lakeview, Garden District, French Quarter, Gentilly. So not the West Bank and not, not the West uh, New, Bank Orleans yet, East not New Orleans not, East and not the suburbs. Not yet, but we hope to get there by the end of the year. Okay. Yeah, and... It's not just eggs. Yeah, tell us all the different things. You've alluded to apples. What else do you have? Okay, we have apples. We have squash. Right now we have butternut and acorn squash. We have pumpkins. Today we got, um, what are those things called that you make like a custard out of? They're like a custard fruit. Persimmons. Wow. We got persimmons on the site today. That's new. Then we also have prepared meals. So we have hummus. It's like snacky stuff like hummus. We have bread. We have cookies. We have cupcakes. The Nola Pie Guy, Nate Winner, who's been on this yeah, show, yeah, right, right. he sells his pies through our site. Uh, we have he's meat. everywhere, that guy. You know, he's just so likable is the thing about that guy. He's got those dimples. Right. <laughs> he's just, he's his just... pies suck, but he's so likable. No, we're just kidding. No, his pies are his great. Pies are his pies are also great. Yeah. And he's likable. I mean, it's right. a winning combination. Um, we have meat. We have chicken. We have crab meat. We have local crab meat. The girl who sells us crab meat, she says she's getting gator in soon. So we're nice. going to we're gonna maybe be selling gator. Now, I saw, too, don't you... Uh, sell pasta like handmade we pastas do. so dan daniel s's who's the chef and co-owner of three muses right, on we've, had, we've had him on the show as oh well. right. Yeah, he's, right we love him he's, he's one great. of our favorites so he's doing uh handmade pasta and some pasta sauces uh, that he's selling through the site as well he does this incredible squid ink fettuccine um that's just it's a black fettuccine squid ink lightly squid ink flavored um also some spinach flavored pastas and then these amazing sauces he does a marinara and a puttanesca and then he does this vodka sauce that is dangerously <laughs> addictive so he puts it in jars for you what does he do with it right now he's going to start jarring them at some point but right now, right they're, now they're in skins what are they <laughs> <laughs> they're in like chinese soup containers what you know like those you know like really? the plastic the yeah. plastic ones with either the quarter or the pint and the the top that kind of pops. Where does he on. get them? Are they just like left over in his house after he's had <laughs> Chinese takeout? Like where? Yeah, no, restaurant depot or wherever people oh, get, okay, get gotcha, that junk. Okay, okay. They're clean. They're they're new. Okay, they're not okay. used well, or right. recycled. As much as we like recycling. Um, yeah. but you know, the thing is you're you're um, even in that packaging they I've tested it out. They definitely last two or three weeks in the fridge at least. But it's not like spaghetti sauce that you're buying at the grocery store, which was made months and months ago. He's by making a robot. by by a robot. <laughs> He's making every batch fresh to order. So he makes sauce for us twice a week. That's so, so great. So you're getting sauce that was made that within cost? the last couple of days. His sauces, I think, for the, the pints are around $5. That's and crazy. then the quarts are around $8. Why would I ever get something in the grocery store you're ever again? You're never going to ever That's again. A, that would be the stupidest thing I could ever it's do. Dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, I'd like to know a little bit about the history of Good Egg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it started out... In San Francisco. Okay. So the company was founded a little over two years ago by two guys who had backgrounds in the Silicon Valley tech world, but had gotten really interested in local food and local farming. They, um, one of them had worked for a company called Carbon5. He was one of the founding partners of Carbon5, which is a really awesome web development company out there. And then the other one was one of the founders of Aardvark, which was a search engine company that was sold to Google a couple years ago. And so they both had really strong connections in Silicon Valley and a really awesome skill set for developing tech products. But they decided they wanted to apply their skills to something that felt really meaningful to them. 
And, you know, one of them, Alon, has a, has a young kid and um, had just, you know, started thinking about how to feed his family really well. And they realized that they really cared about local food systems. They saw farmers and local food producers as this amazing, positive, life-affirming antidote to this mass-produced industrial food system where, you know, you, you like you said, robots are making the spaghetti sauce most of the time. And when you buy food through producers on Good Eggs, you know that that food is coming from someone local who's putting love and care into that food and really cares about how it's grown or made. And you you know where your food is coming from, and so, that's important. So, like, so do you have, like, a standard? Are there some kind of um, parameters that you set for what farmers you work with? I mean, if Monsanto says, yes, we'd like to ship our uh, Franken tomatoes to you and <laughs> use that, like, how do you say no to that? Like, what's the... Yeah, well, we work with far- family-owned businesses and with co-ops. Okay. Um, so we... Like, what's the biggest farm you work with? Like, how would how would how how oh, big would man. it be? Oh, man, 40 acres, okay. I think, is the biggest wow. th- that I can think of right now. Uh, yeah, we have two, maybe two farms that have 40 acres. It's like a tool shed. They're not even, they're not even cultivating (laughs) that whole 40 acres, but they have around 40 acres. Uh, we're working, you know, and as we grow here, we just got started here in the last couple of months. And as we grow here, I think our farmers will need to grow with us, uh, because we're, we're hoping and expecting to be, you know, feeding lots and lots of people in New Orleans. So we're hoping that we provide an easier and more efficient way for these farmers who are doing such amazing things and putting so much love and care into the food that they produce to get that food to customers, you know, efficiently. Now, do a lot of these farmers also work with the farmers markets in town? We love the farmers market. It's been award-winning farmers market and Wonderful yeah. Farmer's Market has done so much to increase awareness around local food in the city. Right. Our idea is I personally, my past job, love the farmers market in my ideal vision of my world. Go to the farmers market twice a week. In reality, how, how often did I make it to the farmer's market? Right. I was working. I was busy. I was do, doing whatever, you know, got lazy and just didn't make it there in time. So the idea is we love farmer's markets. And if you have time in your schedule to go to the farmer's market and it's convenient for you, we think you should go. However, we understand that people's lives get busy and sometimes you have to work late and sometimes you have to take your kid to soccer practice. And uh, so we're there to, to help feed you the same quality of food as you would buy at the farmer's market on those days when you just can't make it there. And you're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week because you're a website. And exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. Well, I have a lot more uh, questions for you, but I think we would like to get to your mystery guest this at this point. So ah, who have you brought guest. this evening to join us? I have brought Millie Schamberger, who has a lot of interesting things to say, some of which will also probably be about good eggs. Um, I met Millie a couple of months ago. She was living in uh, Orange Beach, Alabama at the time. She'd gone to Loyola, uh, but then moved back to Orange Beach. She's from Alabama. And so we met her, and she was telling us all about how she had started this garden in her backyard and her experience growing food. And we thought, you know what, this girl, this girl needs to come work at Good Eggs with us. So we, we summoned her back from Alabama, and she started as an intern at Good Eggs a couple months ago, also babysitting for my little brothers sometimes. I mean, she was, you know, doing a little of this and a little of that. And she was so great that we told her we had to have, have her around all the time. And so now she's a core part of the Good Eggs team. All right. Welcome. Welcome, Millie. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Now, you're a core part in New Orleans or another? Um, yes, in New Orleans. In New I Orleans. Um, was the third team member at Good Eggs in New Orleans. And like Tess said, I started as an intern and it just turned into sort of a perfect fit. So can we stay at your place in Orange Beach now? You're not there <laughs> yeah. anymore? Why not? Of course. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we needed a good eggs beach house. That's really the motivation. <laughs> yes, so we have good eggs retreats. So. Nice. So. Um, well, speaking of New Orleans and good eggs, I'd like to know how the company moved from San Francisco. How did they choose New Orleans? Was this your uh, the company's first foray into Second. another market? Second. Yep. New York was first. So we have this weird Yale mafia thing going on with Good Eggs. <laughs> um, I went to Yale. Two of the people on the founding team of Good Eggs went to Yale. And New York, where they started, there's this guy who was also in... We were all in the same class at Yale. And this guy who was in our class at Yale, um, since we graduated college, had been... Ru- turned his family farm from kind of a hobby apple orchard into a real working farm, and that's in upstate New York. So, so this is like a skull and bones secret organization. Pretty much. Yeah, actually, uh, they, would, they might, you know, shoot me for telling you this, but the three of them, not me, but three, the two founding team members and this guy Josh in New York, they actually were all in a secret society together. But it not, was skull not skull and bones. And bones oh. But they were in a secret society together, and that's how they all became close. Wow. So they hired Josh because he was part of their secret society, more or so less. So this could be like a, a Trojan farmer. horse, right? We think that Masanto's the villain, but it's but actually, it's really, yeah. It's really, yeah, good, really eggs. good eggs. is really <laughs> taking over the world insidiously, yeah. <laughs> insidiously, uh-huh. through, through New Orleans. Uh-huh, through That's how New most Orleans. people try to do it. it. It's a strategic access point, you know, <laughs> yeah. into the hearts and minds of America. Uh, um, so, yeah, so um, they they did San Francisco, then they did New York, and they thought... We really want to make a difference for all farmers and food producers. We want to create tools that can help farmers and food producers sell their food more effect- more efficiently, more effectively everywhere. So we can't just go to the big cities. We have to go to some more interesting, diverse, weird kinds of places. And uh, that's when they <laughs> called me. And they said, hey, Tess, <laughs> uh, how would you like to start a Good Eggs office in New Orleans? Was your dad already living here? So I was living here. Uh, my dad grew up in Metairie, but then moved away for college and was living up in the Northeast. That's where I grew up. I moved down here six years ago to actually start a nonprofit with my dad post-Katrina, but he was still living up there. And then he moved back here in December. Now, what was the nonprofit? It's called Build Now. Okay. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about it? It's still going. Still correct? going. Yeah. We uh, we built we've built something like eighty houses now. We started to rebuild houses, build new houses actually for people whose homes were badly damaged, too badly damaged uh, during Katrina to rebuild to mm-hmm. to renovate them. So we would build them a new house and help them get all the financing in place to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's awesome. Yeah. It's still going now that there isn't as much like immediate post Katrina rebuilding we're doing. Um, some first-time homeowner houses for first-time homeowners, and you know other. So you're still involved with it, huh? I'm I'm on the board. I'm loosely involved. Um, Your dad's involved. My with dad's it. Yeah. more involved. Uh, we have this awesome woman, Jackie Hill, who's who's running the organization as the executive director. Yeah. Um, Good Eggs takes up about 125 percent of my time. So <laughs> I, I love Build Now, but I just can't be around them as much as I'd like because I'm just thinking about mm. food all the time. <laughs> And uh, Millie, how did you first come to New Orleans and meet the Good Egg family? Well, as we all know, New Orleans is a small city, and I, I happened to, oh, I went to undergrad at Loyola, and I was there until 2012, moved back to Orange Beach, and decided I needed to make it back to New Orleans somehow, some way, and I just started talking to everybody I knew, and a friend of mine is involved with the John Best Foundation now, who's also involved with um, our other co-worker, Simone Reggie, did some stuff with the John Best Foundation, and just kind of the circle of 
food people, and I happen to love food. And like Tess said, I, I've done some gardening, and so here I am. Mm. Excellent. Yeah. Um, now, it's a business, correct? Good it Egg is, is a yes. business it is or a business. It is a mission-driven or It is a mission-driven company. So we are a business, but we are we put we put our mission at the very forefront of everything that we do. So we're not going to, at the end of the day, just, you know, turn around and say, oh, well, we have to, you know, do things. We have to compromise our standards. No, we're not compromising our standards for the sake of profit. It, our mission comes first. Uh, the way our, our profit structure, the way our revenue structure is set up, we take a percentage of every transaction that goes through our site. So you're actually buying the food directly from the producers. It's like on PayPal, right? Like you buy, you buy something through PayPal, you're not buying it from PayPal, you're buying it from whoever the seller is and PayPal is acting as a transaction processor. That's kind of what we're doing. So but without PayPal, you couldn't get you couldn't get the product in, in the same right, way. Right, right. So we're facilitating- I couldn't, I couldn't connect with that farmer in the North Shore if exactly, it wasn't for Exactly, because they're not yeah. building out their own website and you're right. not driving to their farm to hand them cash and they couldn't deliver for three ninety nine. And they could yeah. not <laughs> deliver for three ninety nine. Exactly. So we're facil- facilitating those transactions, and as a result, the farmer is giving us twenty five percent of their sale. So if oh. they are selling through a grocery store, they're going to be getting only maybe fifty to sixty percent of the final retail price. Whereas through us, they're getting a hundred. They're sorry, they're getting seventy five percent. So the idea is, it's a better deal for them. Um, but also, we're not making any money unless our farmers make money. Um, So everything that we do is motivated directly towards driving sales for our farmers and food producers because Mm -hmm. that's, at the end of the day, that's where our profit comes from also. So it's a really nicely aligned incentive structure. So do you you have um, tensions in trying to figure out where to draw the line and what you'll you'll sell and what you get involved in? I mean, you're not eBay. You're not just going to do anything. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you know, you've gone from eggs and apples and, and, uh, you know, produce to, you know, now you're talking about processed foods like you got pastas and sauces and all that like where like like what are the are there boundaries like what are the boundaries what are parameters and and would they be different for new orleans say than san francisco or new york these are really interesting questions and they're questions we're still figuring out some of the answers like one of the farmers for example makes candles or shoes you're going to sell his (laughs) candles or shoes on the site too if his candles are made out of beeswax from his (laughs) hives we'll definitely sell sell them i mean we stick mainly to food although we do sell flowers and i think you know we're going to try to get some soaps on the site and that yeah that's the kind of thing i was wondering about right yeah. i mean things that these farmers can produce from their own on their farm you know if, they, if it's an alternative way for them to sell one of their products but if one of them fixes gonna... up transistor radios you're not yeah. going to want to sell that yeah. right, no, we're <laughs> sticking i mean we're generally <laughs> sticking to almost exclusively food some other kind of home lifestyle kind of stuff um, in New York, actually, on the New York Good Egg site, they have some local producer who makes these really awesome slate cheese boards. So they're oh. selling slate cheese boards on the site. You know, Amelia and I went to the Angola Rodeo um, <laughs> yesterday and bought some cutting boards. That's we right. were we were debating whether or not it was ethically acceptable to sell prison-made cutting boards on Good Eggs. I think we decided we'd probably just not go there. They pay those guys less you know. than they do in China, I think, for stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really. I'm just I don't. Saying. They're in jail, though, so maybe. I well, don't know. I think they get to keep more of what the money from ethics? their crafts. I think. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they also, so, they're also they also a working farm, though. You know, they grow vegetables at Angola, and they have, like, 3,000 head of cattle that they're raising for beef. It's a big... But do they sell the... No. It's, they, for, it's their for their own, own consumption. Right. Yeah. Oh. That's, yeah. That's a whole other story. It's weird. We need to get some prisoners here. 
Yeah. <laughs> See if we can get him on furlough to come down here and tell us about. Yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. Very. But you didn't do that. You just went up and sold no, the rodeo and we, bought some I'd never cutting been, boards. Millie and I, neither of us had ever been. We just wanted to check out the experience, you know. Yeah. And it was an experience. It was great. It was <laughs> It was an experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do, have what is the most unusual food item that y'all sell? Like, uh, I, I didn't see any foie gras on the uh, <laughs> local yeah, website. Found but a source of local foie gras. Um, what do you think? We've mm, you have sausages. You we have, have sausages. You have any like sausages. yeah vital organs you sell? Like anybody's like giblets or anything? We have. There's some. As far duck. as like what you can't get elsewhere, yeah. duck eggs. Oh, we have duck eggs. Duck eggs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're coming back. They were out, but they're coming back. Like in the next week, we're getting duck eggs. Best. I talk about this all the time. I want to get. I want to make duck eggs at home instead they're so of yeah. Because well, yeah. I, I can't have chicken eggs duck. anymore because yeah. I'm spoiled with chicken eggs. I can only well, have my yard eggs. Why don't you get a duck? My brother right. uh, in Old Metairie has. Uh, they eat duck eggs from his own duck. Yes. Really? Yeah, you want to try? We'll have them bring on. I will do a trade. Eggs. I'll bring you my chicken mm-hmm. eggs, and you can bring the duck eggs. Perfect. Right. But you have to trade two or three chicken eggs for each duck, duck eggs. Because duck eggs are bigger, I know. Bigger and, and yeah. rarer. You know, more. Come more on, rare. don't tell her that. How okay. how did the <laughs> duck eggs sell? You've had them before. We had them kind of intermittently. We haven't had a really good steady supply of duck eggs, but people, it's one you know those kind of specialty items. People see them on the site and they start selling really fast. Well, like if we have a limited inventory of them available, they'll go fast. Um, we have, you know, what we have right now? We have fresh, locally grown ginger. Ooh, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I love ginger. We also, how many customers do you have? I mean, like we have a bunch. You know, it's interesting. We haven't really done a lot of marketing yet because we're still very small. We're still kind of in pilot mode. Uh, but you know, people, we have people who order with us every week. Um, we have you know new people coming on every week and and people ordering. Well, what kind of marketing have you done? Like, we've, how do you get the word we've out? We've had tables at events. Yeah. We've participated okay. at events. We found that really social media and email marketing has been very. All you need, Very, huh? Yeah, beneficial. So you, you have a big Facebook presence? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Decent. Yeah, you know. Twitter, I guess, too. Getting huh? out there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's funny. I, uh, my friend, out of the blue, who never talks to me about food at all, my friend Dustin, who you see over here all the time at Ted's, he always talks to me about old cars and music. But he, out of the blue, he just he sent me a thing about good eggs today. That's so cool. Yeah. It's like, it was like he was clairvoyant. He knew that you are going to be on the show. I was like, that's creepy. Well, yeah, Millie, really, didn't you say creepy. you were at on the, Facebook, the park or something? And yeah. I was eating the other day at Mona's Cafe because I wanted to try to get their Mona's. handmade pita. And, yeah. um, well, now we can't enjoy food because every time we go anywhere, we're like, can we sell this on Good Eggs? <laughs> oh, we don't have Crystal Hot Sauce on Good Eggs. Maybe we should try to sell Crystal on Good Eggs. It's local. So we can't enjoy anything just for its own We were sake. always trying. To, I mean, at the rodeo, we were trying to sell our hot sauce. But... Um, what do you do with the horses when they die? We can sell that. No. <laughs> We're just trying, to, like we said, trying to keep it unique. But um, I overheard some people talking about good eggs, and I really didn't want them to know I was eavesdropping. But, they, they, you know, it, it's got a, it's starting to grow in the city. People are talking about it. And just like even the small events that we've been doing are starting to get a little buzz created. So so your staff is how many full-time people? Are just five. Five full-time. Mm-hmm. And so customers are dozens of regular customers and yeah. a bunch more one time sort of occasional a lot of people we haven't done all the math on 
you know, what percentage of people become repeat customers, but it feels like a, a good number. Uh, right now, you know, we're, we're in the, the early phases. Um, what is most important to us right now is really having customers give us feedback because oh. this is a very new business model. We want to hear from customers on what works and what doesn't work. A big part of our model is every new customer, we get they we send them a personal email saying, how was your order? What did you like? What did you not like? Was there anything we could do better? Because this is a new service and we're only going to... the only time you're meeting them, I guess, is when you're making a delivery. So. Yeah, and right. that's, yeah. you know, we have um, our delivery drivers are a core part of our ops team and they definitely relay feedback back to, you know, back to our customer care team. But um, we really, you know, we really try to communicate a lot internally around what products are people really liking, what are they not liking. If someone says, you know, oh, my acorn squash was rotten, we'll call the farmer and say, hey, you know, we heard from a customer or two customers that the squash wasn't really that good. And uh, we always refund people if they're not happy with their order. Or like someone said, so you have to eat some of that yourself? It's very hard. It's a very hard part of the job. I sent Millie home with some ravioli over the weekend. Did you cook those? Yes, I did cook them, and they were very good. They were from Lindsay at Pasta Mano. And a customer complained that they tasted too much like tarragon and not enough like mushroom. Mm-hmm. These frozen shiitake <laughs> ravioli, but you didn't. Oh, I can guess where no. they lived. Well, I know the I, block I tried actually. To <laughs> Did you? Have, oh, you had the, the arugula said, and goat cheese, okay, which you can't said, really go wrong. With someone that. said those were too salty. People were really complaining last week. Most people don't complain. Most people are happy, and when they have feedback, it's like really awesome, constructive feedback. Yeah, yeah. No, it was huh. it was good. You know, I I like everything that Pasta Mano does, and I didn't think it was too salty. Okay, what's what's the weirdest complaint you've ever had? Oh, that sounds guy. pretty good. Anything worse than that? Oh, there was one guy who went on a rant via email about meat. He's probably listening. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> he went on a rant about the meat, and he just had everything to complain about the meat. That it was too expensive, and that it wasn't even very good, and that it was frozen. Because a lot of our meat, we, we flash the farmers they flash freeze it so that it stays fresh because it actually meat actually if you shrink wrap it and flash freeze it it's better than if and then defrost it slowly in your fridge that's better than you know most meat you buy in the grocery store has been like packaged for a long time better to freeze it until right before you need it anyway what else was he he was just he just he just knew a lot about meat and really wanted to sometimes you just get people who really want to just tell you what's up they just want to they're not even complaining they just want to show off they just want to express themselves so you still have him you haven't blocked him yet we haven't blocked him. I think he may have taken himself. Yeah, he might out have taken a little hiatus. He might come back, you know. Yeah. So, but people in the in the for the most part, people are awesome. They see that what we're trying to do is is drive more dollars into the local economy, drive more dollars to these local small family owned businesses yeah. that really need our support. Um, and you know, we think it's important if we all start. If, if you look at what percentage of food is purchased from local suppliers here currently, it's. Five percent or something like that. You know, yeah. if we all shifted ten percent of our purchasing Amen. power yeah. mm-hmm. to supporting local farmers and, and food producers, it would just make such a huge impact on the local economy. And that's what we're trying to do. That's wonderful. Well, speaking of local economy, the book of questions time. Oh boy, no, no, no <laughs> correlation. But uh, nothing at all local n- about nothing, this book. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, Tess. Yes. We'd like you to pick a number between 1 and 167. She okay. changes the number. I know. I, it's random. <laughs> How about 84? 84. That's a new one. Okay, good. Yes. I remember that number. Okay. <laughs> Would you have one of your fingers surgically removed 
if it's somehow guaranteed immunity from all of from all major diseases. Well, how do you define a major disease? And which uh, finger? And yeah, this is the eighties. I don't know what major diseases were. Um, <laughs> there was the eight. Yeah, no, AIDS had already come out by then. There were people who were upset. But about I stuff, mean, yeah. well, what is heart disease? Is a disease? Cancer? I mean, are you talking about like you're guaranteed uh, to live until I, I feel diatribe coming you know? on for me? I got to stop. Yeah, everything's a disease now. Right. Like being dumb is a disease. Like well, everything's a disease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Right. Right. Everything's a disease. Everything's a disease. Well, we know that she's not dumb. So <laughs> anything besides well, yeah, but I mean, I'm just thinking, like, does this mean <laughs> essentially like unless you die in a fiery car crash, you can live, oh, no, live until until, you until you're a hundred or until you may live to your hundred, but you may have some I think disfiguring we're disease. Not a meantime. serious disease, just a loss of a of a finger. You can either have your finger removed Tell you and truth, have I no disease, uh huh, or I don't, I don't know. I don't you know get what? It. Personally, <laughs> I, I would I would like to lose the finger just to have it as a conversation piece. At that point, why do you only have nine fingers? I'll always have something to talk to people about. I don't like hypotheticals, and I also don't like surgery. I think I would probably leave it up to chance. I'm not one for elective surgery, and this isn't a real guarantee. I mean, no one can like. This isn't really a fair trade, like a finger for disease. Okay. Doesn't, no, no, I'm not taking it. I'm not taking it. Good for you. Yeah. You're not, you don't like play the piano either. or banjo or anything? No, I don't really need my pinky fingers for anything, but... You don't want to give it up. I don't want to give it up. I already, I almost sliced, you can't see it on the radio, but uh, there's a scar here because I was chopping an avocado one time and almost hacked my own finger off with a serrated knife. And had to get stitches. So after that, I don't think I want to risk my fingers getting any more. See, that's what I'm talking about. A little injury. cut, you got a story out of it. That's not bad. Right. If you lost a whole finger, that's that's uh, really, that's a good conversation about. piece. <laughs> not yeah. worth it. No? Okay. <laughs> All right. That's, that's about All right, as good as we can do with okay. that. What's your yeah. number? Between 1 and 167? Or 217. Okay, let's go with 215. We usually don't get towards the end. That's good. <laughs> okay. Okay. Would you like to be elected president of this country? Why? If so, would you still choose to be president if it meant that your sleep would always be very fitful? (laughs) (laughs) So random. (laughs) So random. Weird. It's very specific. Uh, Yeah, very fitful and disturbed, punctuated by frequent nightmares. (laughs) Well, I There's think other we answered the question. That's such, a, that's such a lame reason not to want to be president. There's lots of other better ones, but okay. Um, I think the fitful night, you know, the fitful sleep and the nightmares. No, no, I don't know. Would you want to be president without the fitful sleep and the nightmares? Mm, no. That's a terrible job compared to working for good eggs. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I can't really imagine that one. No. Um, I'll, I'll. I'll uh, say no to the presidency on either account. You see the before and after pictures of presidents. They always look awful at the end. Lyndon Johnson looked like he'd been yeah. run over by a car. <laughs> he just looked terrible. He, uh, he grew a ponytail at one point, like like Grant. After um, the presidency? Yeah, after yeah, the presidency. No one it. noticed because no one talked to him. Both parties <laughs> hated him at the end. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll stick good with good eggs. Okay, yeah. yeah, I'd stick with good eggs, too. You got a great job. Um... 
So let's see. So you went to Loyola, and what did you major in? Did you major in eggs or uh, marketing? I wish that I, I majored in eggs. No, I'm, I majored <laughs> in mass communication in Spanish. Oh, cool. So, yeah. All right. And and here I am. Um, have you lost Spanish? Any farmers you interact with that, We're that We're going to work on that. I really, really would like to get involved with the Latino Farmers Co-op when they finally get up and running. They have some land over, um, over in the St. Rock area, so they're about oh. to really grow some things and maybe we can help them out and sell their is there a bilingual um capability in the website too like can people who uh, speak spanish are they able to um order on the website Not, without you know right fluency? now we don't have that tr- but you know i think with google you can automatically oh, translate yeah, any yeah. page into translate, a right. different language mm-hmm. yeah. so let's hope that works while we build up our multilingual site all right, right, so then you went to that community college up in um, in, in New Haven, right? Mm-hmm. Yale. Yeah, in what Connecticut. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. I've I. Uh, What'd you major in? History. Ah. Um, yeah, but I I do often when people ask me where I went to school, I often say, oh, you know, in Connecticut, vague because it just always elicits a oh Ivy League. It's not worth dealing with that. So I just I'm vague. Yeah. But you you studied in history. Yeah, yeah I studied okay. history at Yale. All right, that's the truth. Neat. <laughs> um, what are you laughing at? What? Nothing. I'm just. I'm just. Uh, she's laughing at me. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm <laughs> no, she's usually laughing at me. She never laughs at the guests. All right. So let me ask you another thing. So you. Ha- so you have office space now. You have a headquarters, don't you, in the Bywater? Marini. In the Marini. Okay. I, heard I live right, in the Bywater. Fire. You live in the Bywater. Right. Okay. Okay. And the Bywater is the the chicken talk and all. Okay. Right. Uh, okay. Chicken's close. in both. Close, close. Rooster though. Okay. on our block. Yes. To me, I, I, when you live in Uptown, Marini and Bywater are pretty similar. Okay, but um, just costs more in, in the Marini. But um, yes. So you have a fire station that was turned into an office, right? And it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so is this like, are you guys sitting down at computers during the day? Or what are you doing? You're out with farmers. You're visiting on site. What do you, what's the day look like? It's honestly a nice, healthy mix of the two. As you know, I mean, between we are a delivery business, so You're there's quite a bit on your feet. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we already lost the hubcap on our new van, <laughs> oh. um, but that's okay. Um, no, really, we spend we spend a lot of time um, on the actual website, making sure that the shopping experience is you know what it's. Um, supposed to be, but also we, we spend time going to see the farms and the operations of our vendors. It's really important for us to see what they're doing and how they're doing it. Transparency is like a big part of what we're doing with Good Eggs. So, you know, they tell us, you know, that I have pasture-raised beef and um, pasture-raised eggs. We want to make sure, see it for ourselves. Plus, it's it's great. You know, it's it's um, producer customer experience. We get to tell them that we met the producer and that they have, you know, land right outside of the city, and they can go see it for themselves if they want. So, are you pretty much familiar with all the farmers in the in the metro area now, and and within a short drive? Or are you learning new farmers all the time? How they do they find you? Are you looking for them? It's a How's mix. that? How you foraging mm. for new stuff? It's all the a time mix. Or? We're always looking for new people. Mm. Um, the prepared food is an area where we're really always looking for new new people to work with. If anyone out there listening, you know, wants to make sauce or salad dressing or bread or anything like that um email us at nola at goodeggs.com we're always looking for new people um as for the farms it's there are always more people growing stuff the question is where's the line between like a backyard grower that kind of grows to feed their family versus a a large-scale 40-acre operation there's some people that grow a little bit and sell it at farmers markets there's some people who are growing recreationally but want to be growing professionally 
um, we're always talking to farmers and food makers at all different stages because we would like to help if, if it's something they want to do if they want to grow their their business into being you know a more more sizable operation we always want to talk to them hmm. so what's the smallest farmer you use i mean is there somebody that makes like like somebody like me, <laughs> three eggs. Can I sell you my three eggs right now a day? You right? have to be insured to be on good eggs. Ah. It's the only thing. So we found this amazing food liability insurance policy that's $300 a year, which oh. is totally reasonable if you're going to say like, okay, I'm, I'm going to have a business. Even if it's a business that only makes a couple thousand bucks a year, it's still, you know, it's still, it's got to be a business. Uh, we would love to come up with some kind of legal parameters for an urban farming co-op where you could buy in for you know, fifty dollars, you could buy into this co-op that would then allow you to be insured as part of a cooperative and sell your your goods through Good Eggs. Hmm. But um, right now, the, the you know you can be as small as you want. You just have to be you know kind of have your business paperwork in order, and whether it's you know a sole proprietorship or an LLC or whatever, and have insurance. Hmm. Now I noticed the website is very visual and attractive. Hmm. Who who does that? Who takes goes out and takes the photographs in your team and Millie took some of them (laughs) we have a combination of photographers that we've been using since I started Um, our first photographer Alex Shanefield Shanefield she was out of town so we had Denny Colbert photographer um, photography come in for a couple of weeks so he has some photos on the site also Alex has some I think it's Alex Eve photography she's um I guess our more consistent photographer and then you know we'll have Tim from Stony Point who comes in with some satsumas and I have my camera on hand and we'll just you know snap some photos just to get his product on the site as quick as possible. And it's very cool attractive thing. and appealing and it's important if people are going to buy something to be able to feel like they can see what they're purchasing and and get a feel for it before um, they order so it's really nice. Yeah, it's important, and I think that's where some other food-related websites have gone wrong, is underestimating how important it is to have a a pleasant visual interface for people. Food is so sensual. It's, you know, it's a total sensory experience. Mm. You have to replicate that in the website. If you don't have a website that's going to make people hungry, you're not going to sell any food through it. So what's a food website that went wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm not naming names. (laughs) Uh, Grant loves my food photography. He says it's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> I, I used to I used to post these food pictures and they would just gross people out. So there really is an art to to doing that too. Some people do. You see on social media or Facebook or Instagram or whatever, people will very earnestly post a plate of food that's like a brown and gray, right. you know, like a brown <laughs> stew. Yeah, wet like, things look awful and no. usually. Oh, yeah. and then they'll do a flash so there will be a, a, a shine on the yes. on the glop. It's just bad. Yeah, so some things that smell and taste beautiful and yeah. just lovely can be ruined and in like, pictures. I'm sure yeah. that gumbo tastes great, but your picture looks terrible. Right. <laughs> well, I suffered yeah. from that because I, uh, I went to, we had on Gracious Bakery last yeah. week. Oh, oh, so, so good. Yeah. She's so good. And I got a um, pretzelada to go mm. for my airplane flight, and I tried to take a picture and do an Instagram, you know, thing social media thing <laughs> to, to get it out there and it just and looked, you ruined it, gracious bakery i didn't put it out there because <laughs> okay, I, okay. I, I have a discerning eye and i knew that it, <laughs> it did not look as great as it tasted and people were envious and so i, I appreciate the uh well, the I effort it takes to uh 
Yeah, and I appreciate you, you know, editing yourself. Because (laughs) with if I could make one comment to all the food amateur food photographers out there, it's like edit yourself with discernment. (laughs) The problem is you look through it in the lens of your experience of it, though. You just Mm -hmm. had this great meal. Maybe even the meal wasn't that great, but you had a great friend with you and all the rest of that. And no one has access to that when they see the picture. They're just seeing this picture. They don't know how it smelled and how it tasted and who in this, you know, interesting person you, you shared it with. You yeah, know? and great food photography does make you feel all those things. Right. You know, yeah. like Denny, who we've worked with, he's an incredible food photographer. And right. every picture that he takes, you really you feel the life in that produce. You color. feel. Oh, yeah. even disgusting things can be made great by oh, a great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be watching the TV and it's kind of in the background. And all of a sudden you hit one of these ads. And I get drawn in. I go, that does look good. And then it's Taco like, no, Bell or no. something. It's like, no, that would really be awful. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have uh, we have a, a pork farmer who sells back fat. Pork <laughs> fat back, which is also just Oh, that's got to be really back. easy to photograph. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't remember which of... I know that was the one thing we were like, oh my... Because raw meat's a little tough to photograph beautifully anyway. This is like a slab of fat. I don't know whether it was Denny or Alex, but whichever one of our photographers shot that... People order it all the time. It was Denny. Was yeah. it Denny? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's actually quite an appealing picture, and people order it. So we must have done an okay job with it. And what do you put back photo. that in? Like, what do you do with it? You can render it into lard. Oh, okay. You can grind it. Like, if you're grinding sausage, you usually need to... Like, especially if you're grinding beef sausage, okay. which is drier, you'll typically add some fat back into it, and that's often pork fat. Can I just put a slab of it in a frying pan and eat it up like that? Sure. It's probably not if great, you'd huh? like to. It would... <laughs> probably taste good you probably wouldn't feel great after oh, okay. you can I mean, yeah you can use it like for a for a roux for the base of a gumbo instead of butter if you want to use you know rendered fat. pork fat instead of butter in your in your roux that you works can great. use it to cook fries in you've just got to render fries. it down because it's like a thick slab of fat but you have to slowly melt it down okay until it's like a more of a you know liquidy consistency and then it's lard and i don't know exactly how that works but so when you deliver that right i guess you don't do too many deliveries but you knock on the door <laughs> <laughs> the kind of person that bots the back fat i'm gonna be markedly different looking than the kind of people i buy you know the and what does it cost is it like a high uh, uh, let me look price? i think it's like three bucks for a package of back fat <laughs> three bucks for a truckload full <laughs> <laughs> let me see i bet i can find no you know it's very useful uh, it's very useful. Here, let me find it for you. It's um, you know, we have a lot of great meat. We have these big roasts. Uh, we've got you know, we've got a uh, sausage. I'm buying time while I look up the the price of back fat. Hold on, wait for it. Hey, well, while you're doing that, let me ask you one more thing because we're almost out of time. Unfortunately, this went so fast. But um, so when you get into prepared foods, I guess even the farmer stuff. I mean, uh, are there organic standards too? Of like, well, this has to be. I mean, I know that's such a overused term, you know, and and it's and it's this legal rendering is different from sort of what you'd intuitively call organic or whatever. But um, uh, like for example, somebody's making some kind of prepared food, you don't know all the ingredients that went to it or whatever. I mean, how do you police that? Or you know, As for all we know, Don Estes could be using like you know, he's he's just taking babies, like, yeah, <laughs> babies, right? No, he's <laughs> taking like Pizza Hut and war- and you know, warming it up or so. I don't know. I mean, how yeah. do you? Our primary value is transparency. So we pick people who understand our mission and who want to, who really understand that our core value is customers should be able to know where their food comes from. So if you sort, you know, we understand that, especially with prepared food, they're small businesses and better ingredients are expensive. And so sometimes they just, they can't buy everything organic 
because it's expensive, they're just getting started, and there are a lot of complicating factors. We trust the judgment of these small businesses because we are hand-selecting everyone based on the idea that they're doing the best they can. But we know that if, you know, if they are getting, that we always encourage them to buy their vegetables locally, to buy their dairy and meat locally. We help connect them to people who sell those products locally. So we're constantly working with them to improve their sourcing. But in the meantime, they just have to be willing to list all the ingredients of their products on the site. And then if anyone asks to say where they got them. So, you know, this, and a lot of them, when they are using organic or local ingredients, they'll call them out. They'll say, you know, this was made with local tomatoes, organic zucchini because like you said organic is a big business term right now it's really expensive to get certified organic all the produce on our site we know if they're using any pesticides or fertile or synthetic fertilizers we know what they are and aren't doing totally transparent about that almost all the produce on our site is totally free of synthetic chemicals yeah uh, but you know it's it's a conversation there's there aren't like you know neat check boxes and categories for everything um but you know, people like we're all so into the convenience of, oh, well, it's organic. It says organic, so I can feel okay about it. It's right. like, well, there's some more questions to ask. And a lot of our farmers, too, you know, like Tess said, it's expensive to get certified organic just because they don't have that actual label, that title. They're using organic practices. Like we went and visited a lady um, recently that uses duckweed from her moat to fertilize her citrus trees. <laughs> you know? Oh, so. today we went to Vintage Garden, which is in Chalmette. Um, and he was talking about this worm that was attacking the leaves of the beet plant. And he said, oh, well, I sprayed them with BT. And I was thinking, I didn't think he sprayed his plants with, with what? So I said, well, oh, Jafar, what did you spray? And he's, oh, well, it's this bacteria that specifically attacks this specific kind of worms. <laughs> so this is the awesome. level of pride that these farmers are taking yeah. in their work. They they know which kind of worms specifically attack the leaves of the beet plant, and they get some, you know, back, naturally occurring bacteria to combat the, the worms instead of finding some kind of all-purpose worm killer and, you know, mm. dusting everything in that. Well, it sounds like we're out of time, aren't we? Unfortunately, Uh, I could talk about this all day. I hope we can have you back again sometime real soon. This has been wonderful. Our guest has been Tess Monahan of Good Eggs. And what is your email address? Where can people order that? uh, My email address is tess at goodeggs.com. Oh, I meant meant the website address. I'm sorry. They can email me personally, but they can order just at www.goodeggs.com. Um, th- that will redirect. To, there's an option to choose your city, and you do goodeggs.com slash NOLA to go straight to the New Orleans version of the site. Great. Okay. And we'll have information on that on our website. And our plus, or your plus one was Millie Schamberger, and we're so glad to have you here, too. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, also with Good Eggs, thank you so much for your time, and we really appreciate it, and we hope uh, this is just a, a huge success in our city. Thanks, yeah, guys. Thank too. you so much. Thank you. Our show is recorded live at Ted's Frosthop on Claiborne Avenue in Calhoun in Uptown New Orleans. Ted's is open seven days a week serving first-class burgers, beer, and their awesome homemade root beer in a frosty mug. Midnight Menu Plus One is produced by Grant Morris, and Chris Keogh is our technical director. And this fabulous audio quality that you hear is by PreSonus Audio Electronics. Makes all kinds of wonderful things. Visit PreSonus.com for more information. You can get in touch with us here at Midnight Menu Plus One by going to our website, it's neworleans.com. And from there, you can follow us on Twitter, find us on Facebook, sign up for our mailing list, get all kinds of swag. Uh, and while you're at it's neworleans.com, you can listen to other episodes of Midnight Menu Plus One and our other shows, Happy Hour, Mindset, True to the Game, Vietnola, Out to Lunch, and others. And if you listen to the show on iTunes, uh, please rate us and review us. It helps other people to find us. Midnight Menu Plus One is a production of INO Broadcasting for it's neworleans.com. 
Until we meet here again at Ted's Frost Top, I am Ray Canada. And I'm Margo Moss. Thanks. You know Labor Day signals the unofficial end of summer, but not the end of your outdoor projects. Lowe's helps you do it right and helps you save with Labor Day deals throughout the store. Shop now and get two bags of Stay Green Potty Mix for $12. And keep your lawn looking neat and trim with a Craftsman 2-Cycle 17-inch gas string trimmer now $20 off at just $119. Whatever's still on your to-do list this Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 828. Soil offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii, U.S. only.